0: All right, welcome to another edition of Northern Exposure. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Jay North. Uh, A little raspy today in the throat. It's day 4041 of quarantine, and here in Rochester, New York, winter has officially decided to show back up today. It is cold, and there's white stuff on the ground. Um, It'll all be gone by tomorrow, and it's not going to be anything significant. But yeah, that's what late April in Rochester, New York could look like. How's everybody out there doing? I hope everybody's doing well. Staying healthy. If you're an essential employee, you've got what you need to go out there and do what you got to do safely. Um, so of course, it's very hard to do anything right now or, you know, talk, not talk about the COVID-19, the coronavirus crisis. It's, uh, you know, you can't do much on TV as far as major networks go. It's going to be right in your face. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. We're still going to talk about the coronavirus, um, but I wanted to, and I put up on my Facebook page, and you're still free to get on there and make comments if you want, even though we're recording now. It's always great to hear from you guys. Um, but I wanted to really... Put feelers out there and get people's opinions on which industries they think will change the most significantly uh, as a result of the aftermath of coronavirus. <clears throat> and I'm not necessarily suggesting bad changes, I'm just suggesting. Uh, changes in general. I know a lot of people want to go doom and gloom and you think things are gonna be gone and everything's gonna be awful and this is the way of the world it's gonna be forever. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that but I do think there's gonna be some evolutionary changes within some industries um, that will be permanent going forward uh, when this is over. And this is just speculation and opinion. I want to have a little fun, just kind of, you know, see where people were thinking. And I had a lot of people have conversations with me off the social media. So uh, one of the industries that I think is going to be significantly changed going forward, and this isn't necessarily bad, um, depending on your opinion, but I think the film and entertainment industry is going to see a significant change in the way movie uh, production and distribution goes. And what I mean by that is uh, obviously uh, a lot of our states are still either on full lockdowns. I know some are trying to reopen slowly and cautiously and get people out there and do what they got to do. But there's definitely going to be some industries that change. And I think the film and entertainment industry is going to be one of the first ones to actually really ease into the change and perhaps almost welcome it. And uh, as I say that, I realize that's going to change some people's lives because what I am suggesting is the days of the movie theater might actually be coming to an end if they haven't already um, with this coronavirus here. Um, So what we had, and and the reason I say that is we just had an experience two weeks ago. Um, Obviously movies that were supposed to release in 2020 have been releasing, but there's no theater, so there's nobody to watch. So what do you do? Do you do you sit on the film? Do you not release it? Do you delay all that? No. You take to your streaming services like Netflix, and then, um, what, about two weeks ago, Katie and I had ordered the uh, Trolls movie off Netflix because they had the movies that you could get. It was 20 bucks. You had it for 48 hours. Somebody had to go to the bathroom. You could pause it if somebody needed to go. Uh, refill popcorn, you could pause it, something comes up and you have to stop it, you could pick it back up where you left off, start over again completely. The bottom line, for 20 bucks, the film is available to you for 48 hours. You have two days to watch it, basically, which I think most people are going to sit there and watch it right then and there. But number one, it was nice um, to... Not have to leave the house to take in a movie. I mean, and again for nostalgic folks, because there is that nostalgia going to the theater. Why did you go to the theater? You go for the big screen. You go for the the theater sound. But now, at a very affordable price, most homes. I mean, flat screen TVs don't cost nearly what they used to. uh, ten years ago, um, way down in price. I mean, you can get sixty five inches for under four hundred five under five hundred bucks. Um, In a lot of regards, and that's not even necessarily on sale. That's just regular retail price, decent surround sound system. But the bottom line is, is I think, you know, people, I think movie goers were down just the whole movie industry as far as people getting up and going to the theater were down. Um, you know, and there's obviously world events that contribute to that, and there's also economic inflation. I mean, the bottom line is going to the movies is expensive. You got a guy like me, family of five. If we're all going to go to the movies, I'm dropping 80 to to 100 bucks just to get in the door. We haven't even bought a soda pop or a popcorn yet. Versus 20 bucks can sit on my own couch, use my own bathroom. I know all the people I'm sitting next to, and there's no worries here. You know, if I want my dog in my lap while I'm watching the movie... We could do that so that's an industry that I think is going to change I think you're gonna see theaters and again this is speculation I don't have any data to back this up um, just kind of playing Nostradamus using my little crystal ball I think film and entertainment is going to change big time and um, I think you're gonna see that I think you're gonna see the streaming services uh, really start to take over. now some people were suggesting that like social media entertainment is going to evolve into a main form of entertainment I would argue that it's already there, Um, you know, and for those of you that are like, what the hell is he talking about? These are like your TikTok people, your Instagram famous people, your Reddits, your YouTubers. I mean, these guys have over a million subscribers. I would say they're already successful. Um, At the same time, there are already some famous people that take to those avenues to get themselves out there. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is on Instagram and TikTok all the time. Makes cute little videos with his sweet little baby girl and you just melt a little bit inside and uh, he gets all the hearts and the likes. there. So, um, but it's definitely one of those things. I mean, you have a TV basically in the palm of your hand, whether you think that's good or bad with your phone. And uh, a lot of your favorite entertainers can just go right to social media to uh, communicate and engage with fans. So, I think that industry is going to change very significantly um, on the back end of this thing, and I don't necessarily feel it's for the worse. I think this could be for the better, um, you know, and really we'll see how it goes, but I th- it's easy, it's convenient. Um, I would be curious, and again, you know, movie theater goes by ticket sales. I would be curious to see, and I'd have to look up the numbers how some of these movies that Netflix has had on with Trolls World Tour being one of them again I got kids guys I got kids I had to watch the trolls with a little poppy and you know save everybody good stuff um, but I would have to see I would have to have to see how many people actually bought the movie on the Netflix uh, streaming service there and really compare it to movie sales but I think that's gonna be the way of the future you could see your favorite movie on the day it releases by ordering it through your streaming service I think most people have Netflix I have Netflix and Hulu, (coughs) excuse me. And uh, it was super convenient and super affordable. I mean, 20 bucks, family of five, as I just mentioned a minute ago, we go in there, it's 80 to $100 just to get in the door typically. So you're saving families, which I think ultimately is going to make you order more movies because that's the reason most families don't go to the movies. It's just flipping expensive. And that's all there is to it. So again, I would be curious. That's an industry that I think is going to change big time. And again, I think a lot of industries are going to be affected. I think the way we do business is going to change. I don't think I'm going to be going away uh, two to three times a year anymore for sales meetings, for example, but I definitely think we'll still keep the big one at the end of the year where we have our dinner and our awards and things of that nature. But since I've been home the last 40 days, we've uh, been working remotely, you know, the best we can. And uh, I hold work and remotely up in quotes because I'm in New York. So most of my accounts, if not all of them, are closed. Um, if they are popping in, it's just for like super emergencies. Like you got a piece of metal in your eye, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to see more WebEx. Like I've been doing more at WebEx and more Zoom calls uh, the last few days just to stay connected and stay in touch. You know, there is the the chance that your clients could embrace that as a method of doing business, which could re- reduce overall travel for me. Um, but who knows? You know, again, I've got a physical product that if you're not putting it in your hand, you you might not want to buy it. But some people are a little bit different and figure a WebEx or a Zoom call where I can showcase the product is better than looking at it online because the bottom line is that some people will buy Just from seeing a picture and some people prefer to hold it in the hand I find that more people prefer to hold the product in their hand but times are changing so their mentality might change their opinion on that might change but I definitely think you're gonna see less travel with businesses um, which is great for carbon footprint if you want to be green which I love my mother earth we haven't been shy about talking about that on this show Um, so you know less plane less flights Less automotive traveling. You know, if I've got an account that would normally be a two and a half hour ride that says, hey, weather's going to suck. Why don't you not try to do this? Why don't you fire up the computer and let's do a Zoom conference? I mean, now on days of bad weather where you might lose an appointment and have to reschedule completely, you don't necessarily have to. So that's going to be something that I think is going to be another part that's overall business. I think travel is going to change. I don't think it's going to be so frivolous anymore. I don't think people are just going to get on planes and go here, there, and everywhere without having some really good reason to do it. And I think people are going to go to video conferencing and Zoom calls. I mean, I'm talking trainings and everything. People are going to put online training modules together and this and that. So otherwise, man, you know, I want to see mom and pop restaurants just pop right back up and get get what they need to, um, you know, because that's the thing about the economy. Some of these industries are going to change. The aforementioned film and movie industry, you know, how many people work in movie theaters if that goes away? Now, what do those folks do? So there's definitely definitely pros and cons to it. Um, You just, you try to forecast it. You try to stay ahead of it. If you're in an industry that you think is going to change or evolve, Um, and you're still employed, I would say embrace the change, embrace the evolution, and uh, make the most of it. You know, I'm going to try, my company right now, for example, is really trying, while we're down, because we're down, even, it's a global company and we're down. That's just the way it is, Um, located in Austria. Um, But we're just doing the best we can. We're putting some social media packages together to help our partners with advertising and really uh, just to keep the communications going. So I've had a lot of good communication with my clients, my partners over these 40 days. And uh, it hasn't always been via picking up the phone. It's been instant messengers. It's been uh, Instagram message. It's It's been all sorts of communication, the media packets. I know some people got the media packets. So we're working on that. It's just, it's a different way to, well, not a different way to advertise. It's been around for a while, but we're making it sophisticated. You know, people that have print um, advertising and things of that nature, they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that. There's a lot of work that goes into that publication. So we're just taking that same amount of effort, and we're shifting gears, and we're putting it over to an online presence. Um, so, yeah, really just taking the time to kind of assess things and possibly reinvent ourselves in some capacity. And, uh, you know, again, I think that's everything's going to change a little bit. Um, You know, I and I have my opinions on whether or not we'll open a school back up this month and uh, we'll talk about that the next segment. Uh, But yeah, if you guys have any feedback, I mean, feel free to get at me on the Facebook page. I love it. If you're in an industry right now that you're actually physically seeing changes happen now that you know are going to be how it is, that's going to be the law of the land when you come out of this thing. Share it with me. Let me know. Always love hearing from you guys. We're going to take a quick break. We're gonna get right back into it Um, I want to talk about some other things revolving the uh, COVID-19 not too much I don't want to get political with this thing there's been a lot of ugly a lot of nasty out there I just want to provide two case uh, uh, two case studies give you guys some piece of data let you digest it and hopefully ease your mind a little bit cuz I know there's a lot of people that are uh, you know, fearful out there, including people who 40 days ago might have not been fearful but are now starting to show some uh, mental health issues as a result of being cooped up. Everybody handles things a little bit differently and everybody interprets what's going on a little bit differently. So we have to have empathy. Take a quick break, exposed ones. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, and again, thank you so much for listening. Um, whichever platform you're on, you can also find the show. Well, good you. you can find the show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Music. Again, <clears throat> thank you so much for listening, guys. So, in the first segment, we uh, just touched upon a couple industries that I think might be changing. Just you know, the uh, film and entertainment industry, and then just overall business. Like I'm in business to business sales. There's a uh, there's one industry, my wife and I were talking about it last night, music, and I, I, that, that definitely falls in entertainment. So let me touch on that real quick before I move on. And uh, we were sort of hoping that it wasn't true for music because the live concert, the connection the artist has with the crowd and the audience is too special. Um, live music is one of the first things that I intend on doing as soon as I possibly can when this is over. Um that being said I can definitely see <clears throat> artists musicians uh switching it up a little bit not saying that they won't tour anymore I think that would be ridiculous as I say it's the connection with that audience um just that vibe that energy and that's going to be very important and from a musician's standpoint you just simply cannot replicate that uh via online you know, doing remote concerts from your backyard um, that you're streaming on social media. I do, however, wonder if they'll maybe tour a little less. Um, I'm a Five Finger Death Punch fan. Um, Those guys are very... uh, Well, Ivan, the lead singer, Jason, the lead guitarist, and Chris Kale, the bass player, are very... Uh, engaging to their fans on social media they'll go back and forth with you they'll talk with you they really give you that inside look as to what life as a musician looks like including on the road Um, and you can tell it does start to beat the hell out of them a little bit I mean imagine yourself you try very hard if you're a manager if you're the tour manager for a band you're going to try very hard to give them some sort of a systematic schedule so you're not jacking them around from one time zone to the nother, to the next. But the truth is, is you're on a bus, on a plane, in a room, on a stage. On a bus, on a plane, in a room, on a stage. It gets uh, very physically and mentally demanding on the guys and i I know a lot of people might not consider that or think about that everybody thinks the life of the rock star is is lush and lavish and make no mistake at home it sure as hell is but on the road gets a little primordial um so my theory would be that these bands you know you release an album and the way you promote the album is you tour like crazy and sometimes eight, nine months out of the year, they're gone. Um, what the boys at Five Finger Death Punch like to do is um, Zoltan, the other guitar player, he, he was saying in an interview, he said, you know, five weeks straight is really our max now at, at the age that we're in. You know, we've been making music 20 years and, you know, we go beyond five straight weeks being away from home. We all start to get a little edgy. Um, it starts to not feel fun. So, you know, they do get homesick. They do miss their wives, their kids, their girlfriends, their moms, their dads, whoever you're talking about. These are human beings. So, you know, you come out with a new album, you grind for eight, nine months out of that year. I mean, Metallica, they were the kings of touring back in the day. They were never home. Um, so that's one of those things that I could see maybe maybe changing up a little bit. Maybe the musicians aren't touring for eight, nine months That year they drop a record. Maybe they're cutting it down to three, four months, and then they've got a few really cool online shows that you know you could pick up for $15 or whatever the case may be. I'm just trying to think outside the box because I think you will see um, some changes because some of these musicians have taken the social media um, and done some performances. Dropkick Murphy, um, they did one, which was awesome. Uh, and they looked into the cameras at home as if there was a crowd there. I believe the reason they did it is because they were actually supposed to have a concert that they were kicking off, like, ironically, when COVID kicked off here. So they decided that they wanted to keep some of the dates solid, you know, especially on a Friday night or whenever it was, you know, get a little Dropkick Murphy in there, which was a good time. Um but yeah, social media it's powerful and it, it definitely gives us an opportunity to uh switch gears a little bit and it has given artists, um, entertainers, musicians the opportunity to have some more intimate connections with the fan base that you wouldn't get, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. Um, you know, you couldn't get a personal uh guitar thirty like Jason Hook on Sundays, he's the lead guitar player for Five Finger. He will go through his fan comments and he will just look and try to find the best one, and then he'll pick up his whatever guitar he's got. He's got like three hundred guitars. Somebody might wanna, might wanna get him some help. But he'll pick up the guitar that he wants to use for that particular song, and he'll do a song um, for that fan. And I'm not talking like thirty seconds. Like he'll jam for a minute for you, um, and it's kind of cool, and it's specifically for you. And uh, you know, you couldn't do that ten to fifteen years ago. So I think social media right now the power of it the 5g technology whatever side of the fence you're on the fact that we are able to just basically snap our fingers and connect with somebody on the other side of the world uh within seconds is remarkable and amazing Um, but i digress about that as a music fan I really don't think the live show would ever go away. It's too intimate with music. It's too important um, to what that really is, what the music means to the audience. There's something beautiful about all coming together, Um, but they might reduce it a little bit. They might, at least for a year or two after this comes out. Um, But I digress. I just, I forgot to mention music in the first segment there. So shifting gears and moving on. just wanted to give you guys some feedback, my opinion. Um, I know a lot of us are in the same boat. I'm actually letting my kids sleep in a little bit as I make this recording because time has been tough. Um, You know, you would think I could sit here and record every day, but the truth is, is I can't. Um, I got crushed yesterday. My phone was going nuts. The kids, I mean, like every five minutes somebody needed help with something. Phone was going crazy. I was working on getting insurance quotes for me and the wife on top of working, on top of taking care of that. My head was spinning. Um, All that being said, I know there's a lot of uh, working parents that are in this arena with me. You're homeschooling your kids, and it is freaking uncomfortable, isn't it? (laughs) So especially when the kids get stuck, Um, a friend of mine is just waiting on some more uh, communication from the teacher uh she's actually starting to get pissed she told the teacher they had some questions and the teacher's reply was to read the directions um so now you've got you know an almost 40 year old uh grown adult that's getting talked to like she's six and uh she's about to kill somebody so <laughs> uh, you know who you are if you're listening just uh calm down deep breaths drink a mimosa you'll be okay or a quarantini whatever that freaking drink is but uh Here's, here's my take on it, and I've got some friends that are educators, and they've made some really, really good points. Um, and again, I'm speaking for New York. I don't know what everybody else's state is doing, and quite frankly, how the hell could you keep up at this point? Everybody's in a little bit of a different place, and uh, quite frankly, as well, they should be. This isn't a one-size-fits-all problem. Therefore, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. I've said that on this show, um, you know. If you're one of those people super, super worried, nobody's asking you to come outside. So if people are in states that are lightening up the restrictions and they're going back to work, don't yell at them. A friend of mine got called a piece of shit the other day for being at work. The ironic thing was that the customer was in his place of employment to do something that was definitely not essential. So again, it's just the ugliness in the world um, that's going on right now. But with schools... Uh, I hate to break it to you, New York, New York State, Tri-State area, um, I really don't think <clears throat> they will open at all this year. And the reason being is okay. So for our state, Governor Cuomo has um, put the lockdown in order, you know, no large gathering things now till May 15th. So at that point, <clears throat> even if they were able to go back to school at that time, they would have a little more than a month left. And a few of my friends that are in education have brought up a really, really good point. When we do reopen, we're going to ease back into it. You can't ease back into a school system. You can't ease back into that setting. And you cannot maintain social distancing. That's just the bottom line. You can't. When classes are changing in hallways and in schools, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, all the way up through high school, preschoolers. I mean, yeah, it would be interesting to get an aerial shot of kids just in their school. Like if you could remove the roof and just look into it, it would probably look like a Petri dish full of amoebas just flying around all over the freaking place, right? Like you can't socially distant, you can't socially distance in a school. You can't. How can you? You can't. There's going to be somebody in your hip pocket no matter where you're going in a school. So I think that's a super, super good point. And that's a point that possibly a lot of us didn't consider. Um, because even when we do go back to work, there's still going to be the threat that you could possibly pick this thing up. Um, and I'll give you some data here to conclude to hopefully, hopefully ease your mind. Again, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind I had a passionate, beautiful conversation with my mother yesterday. Uh, We don't agree on everything. I don't know if you guys, (laughs) for those of you that know me really well, you know that. My mom and I, I love her to death. We don't see eye to eye on every topic. Um, If the shit hit the fan, my mother would be hiding behind me. Uh, (laughs) And she would say, you got to take care of that, man. I I I love her, but we don't don't agree on everything. Um, But, you know, the, the bottom line is this. You can't socially distance in a school and we've had some conversations. My mom and I are very passionate, and there are people that wanna get back to work, but that's gonna be another challenge for somebody like me. You know, you got my wife. She is considered an essential. She's got a couple days at home throughout the week, but then she's got days on location, so she's not exclusively remote. Um, so, I mean, again, if you, if you take that into consideration, we are still technically at a slight uh, risk level but I digress on that that's my opinion on school I just I don't see them going back this year guys September is gonna be a new year Uh, we'll get back into it and uh, I'm really optimistic that we won't have secondary spikes in the fall um, because I do believe more people have had this damn thing already um, than we know so that's the challenge with this and there's a lot of unknowns I had a conversation with an aunt of mine she said Jason how could you tell if somebody's sick and the truth is, is you can't. Because what we're finding now is that most a lot of people, I don't want to say most people, because we're still collecting data. And the truth is, it's going to take months to really, really play this out. Like Sweden, agree or disagree with what Sweden is doing. Sweden is locking up their vulnerable, and they're letting the strong and healthy go out to work. So did they have a higher death rate in the beginning? Yes, but that's the immediate. We can't judge them on that by now. What we need to judge is nine months down the road. If we're all seeing secondary spikes and Sweden's not, guess what? Sweden got it right because they believed in the antibody buildup and they believed in the herd immunity. So that is something, too so we'll, we'll have to find out but let me give you guys some numbers real quick off two case studies one actually comes out of the aforementioned sweden and the other one uh, comes out of new york uh, city at a medical study and uh, i got both of these pieces of data off the ben shapiro show so there was a case study in new york city where they took, and this has to do with the antibodies, and this has to do with the speculation that so many more people than we realize may have already had COVID-19 with asymptomatic. They, they weren't sick. They were never in danger. They carried it. They developed immunity. They moved on. So here we go. New York City Medical Center, they did a case study. 215 pregnant women. I'm not sure why they had to be pregnant or if they just had a, enough pregnant women there to get a nice even number, but uh, 215 pregnant women. And they tested them all. 14% of them had COVID 19. They actually tested positive for COVID 19. Right then and there, it was active in them. 1.9% actually showed symptoms. So, what this means out of 215 people, and I'm just looking at my notes here, you had 14% actually show, uh, actually test positive for COVID 19. So, that's 30 people out of 215 tested positive for COVID. 1.9% actually showed symptoms. So that's five people. And we're rounding up the whole numbers here, people, because we can't cut human beings in half and make them decimal points. So five people out of the 30 of the 215 actually showed symptoms. The 14% or the 25 people that were asymptomatic they were living life fine, they were normal. This, this was not going to be detrimental to them. But the point is, is to 25 people would have been able to ho- hopefully have the antibodies to provide treatment for the five people that were getting jacked up by this thing, you know, actually showing symptoms. And when they say showing symptoms, I mean, you might have the fever and the sore throat, and that's it, you don't get the respiratory issue. Just because you're showing symptoms doesn't mean you're in dire straits, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so that's the, that's the first study, and that came out of New York City. The second study is going to be out of Sweden, and why I like to compare the two is because if you look at the population of New York City versus the population of Sweden, they, they mirror each other very closely. We're talking about 8.5 to 8.8 million people, uh, respectively, in both locations. And Sweden has a pretty, uh, pretty lenient open border policy, um, from what I understand. Sorry, a little sip of the coffee here. It's uh, it's going down well on this chilled morning. So there was another case study out in Sweden where they just took 200 random people because they wanted to see, they didn't, these were antibody testings. This wasn't a COVID-19 testing. So if they're testing for your antibodies and you actually have the antibodies, guess what, you had COVID-19. There's no way to have the antibodies if you never had the virus. So they took 200 random people in Sweden. And I just got done telling you about Sweden's policy. It's uh, the weak and the vulnerable and the elderly. Like if you're immunocompromised, you're isolating. Everybody else, if you're good, strong, healthy, no pre-existing conditions, go to work, do your job, keep the economy going. Um, So 200 people. And what they found is that 33% of the 200 people had antibodies. That translates to 64 folks out of the 200. Almost a third, so thirty three percent had the antibodies out of two hundred people, apparently per this report, those folks never even knew they were sick so because they were asymptomatic if you're asymptomatic by all definition you're you're not sick you're you're just not sick it's in you, but your your body is your body's fighting it off you've got the antibodies your congratulations you could be saving somebody that uh isn't doing so well with it. And with that data being said, and again these are small samplings, one out of New York City with 215 pregnant women, one out of Sweden, uh, 200 random people just doing antibody testing. This could be uh, a much, much bigger scale. Um, So many more people may have already had COVID-19. And I'm not telling you this so you can go run out of your front door or you could stop bitching at the protesters. I'm telling you this. To hopefully alleviate some of your fears and give you some peace of mind, <clears throat> because you know we can't be optimistic and then completely discount optimistic data. It just doesn't work that way. Um, if you want to, if you tell me you want to be optimistic, but then you want to just debunk optimistic data, I'm not really sure you're really looking to get back out to a normal life and get back out into the world. And hey, that's your opinion, um, but. You know optimism needs optimistic data and the numbers don't lie so this thing may have already spread um, through a lot of us already and we didn't even realize it Um, Ben brought up another good number yesterday Um, they did something in Los Angeles and based on his percentages. And Ben, I don't know how he sounds so articulate when he talks so fast, but he makes sense and you can you can pick up every word, but man, he gets rolling. Um, you're talking somewhere between two hundred and four hundred and fifty thousand and 450,000 people in LA County alone based on some of these numbers, because there was another study done in L.A. County, and based on some of these numbers, he said you're talking anywhere between 200 and 450,000 people, just in L.A. County alone, may already have the antibodies, based on these small sampling scales. That's a significant number of people. If they were on the high end of that, towards the 450,000, um, that is more than 50% of the population where I currently reside. So if you want perspective, Monroe County, we float between 700 and 740,000 people at any given time uh, per the last two census data. So to give you perspective, um, that is quite significant. So I want to give you guys some optimism. You may have already had this damn thing, and we're not going to know right now. Um, the antibody testing, like if you, if you did have symptoms... I do believe that you should be reaching out and seeing if you can get your finger pricked. Um, and again, I got my opinions on it. I think the American Red Cross should really be pushing it. Um, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a situation where they don't have enough kits to test the blood yet for the antibodies or what the case may be there. But I will take away the optimism from a couple different case studies showing that more of us may have had this than we realize herd immunity may in fact actually be building or already is built in some regard so we have to take that data for what it is and it gives us a little ray of hope it gives us a little optimism and that's all it is it's not to change your mind it's just to give you some numbers to digest to maybe help you relax a little bit Um, because again I love my mom to death but you get the impression from her sometimes that the sky is falling And uh, I don't want people to think the sky is falling. We're too smart. We're gonna come out bigger and better than ever when this is all said and done. And the most important thing is just, you know, be empathetic, try to understand everybody's perspective. Um, You know, there's people that are worried about their health. There's people that are worried about losing their houses. I mean, let's be honest, those stimulus checks, fine. They are what they are, Um, but, you know, the, the the bill system here, the financial bill system here, it hasn't really been set up to, to help the working stiff. Let's be honest with each other, you're going to defer your payment for three months, that's all well and good, but you're not working, you're not making an income. That stimulus check, I mean, are you squirreling it away or are you providing food for your family? You're providing food for your family, I hope, I mean the grocery stores indicate that's what people are doing. So how it doesn't make sense that on month 4 now everything is due if these people haven't had any income you know they're not working um they should they should have and i shared a video with pissed off vic on my facebook page it got a lot of laughs um and he's a funny guy and but he's pissed off he's angry and a lot of the stuff he was saying was true like why don't you just slap this stuff on the back end of the loan and stop screwing everybody um you know it is what it is. I digress. I mean, they, they definitely haven't made it easy. And there's definitely people that are stressing. With that being said, some people are now starting to question their own mental health. Like, hey, am I going crazy? Am I going cuckoo bird? Um, Anxiety is at an all-time high for some people that never had it before. They're getting these symptoms. They're having panic attacks. And they have no freaking idea what that looks like. Okay? So... You know, this is just real life. These are some things that are going on. You got people that are suicidal right now because they just don't know, okay? So that's kind of what some people were saying, you know, is, this, is the fix worse than the problem? Unemployment is through the roof right now, all-time record high. That's bad. Um, you know, 22 million Americans as of Monday over the last four weeks had filed for unemployment. Uh, I think that number might go up. It depends on what happens here. But now you're hearing grumblings on, on social media and everything else that the process has not been smooth, which how could it be? The system's inundated. You know, you didn't want to inundate one system, but you inundated the other. So somebody was going to get kicked in the in the ass. And, uh, you know, it is the system. And uh, I'll leave you with this. You know, some people, they get mad. People, they want to get back to work and this and that. Um, listen. I'll say the same thing. People want to go protest. That's their right as an American to voice their opinion. Um there's a lot of hypocritical crap going on. And this is our this is our problem as human beings. We blanket everybody in the same. Um I've seen political cartoons, not so nice, um, accusing anybody that's protesting. Oh now suddenly you're pro-choice. Uh no, some of those people were pro-choice all along, buddy. Um, that's a that's a terrible accusation. I, you know, I'm pro-choice. I don't have a right to tell that woman what to do. I'm not there, it, I, do I think it should be used as a form of birth control? Absolutely not. At the end of the day, is it my problem or is it any of my business? No. And that's the old Italian man. My great-grandmother used to tell me, unless it's got something to do with you, you should probably mind your business. And that's that is advice that is sound and solid and timeless and tried and true. If it doesn't have anything to do with you, God, mind your business. And that's, that's my take on abortion. It's pro-choice. It's got nothing to do with me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was never in the situation to have to, to be... To, I, I'm glad I was never that close to it. Let's put it that way. Um, but that's not fair. That's not a fair accusation. It's not a fair accusation to suggest that nobody uh, agreed with Colin Kaepernick when he took a knee during the national anthem. Again, I'm an old soldier. I'm no war hero. I'm not decorated, but you, you sign up with critical thinking. And do I agree with kneeling for the national anthem in that platform? No. Nope. Do I hate him for it? Absolutely not. It's his right as American to express himself. You know, I said, people ask me about that. I said, listen, he's got every right to take that knee. And then he's going to have every right to take the backlash that he's going to get from some people because people aren't going to like it. That's just the bottom line. But you have to be a critical thinker, you know. It was his constitutional right to exercise that. It's folks's constitutional right to go down to the capitals. I know there's going to be Democrats and Republicans, uh, you know, protesting in Albany today, shoulder to shoulder, because they don't like what's going on. Democrats, there's Democrats that don't like what's going on right now that are agreeing with some Republicans, at least here on a state level, with some of the stuff I've seen on social media so uh, that gets my attention when when people that are supposed to be rivals start to get along and say hey wait a minute something's funky um so yeah again that that gets my attention but listen here's the deal guys it's more important now to be nice to each other and try to lead with love and lead with empathy everybody wants to become argumentative and uh, everybody wants to criticize. I actually was reading some comments on a post the other day, and uh, this this gentleman, and I, I'm I'm using that term very loosely, literally did not literally. He did. He wished death on somebody uh, through his message. He said something to the extent, and I'm paraphrasing. I hope you go out and you get it and you die slow. Um, so that's the kind of people. That that we're <laughs> that we're we're dealing with here, and I'm supposed to believe when you say things like that, you actually give a crap about your fellow man and you've got your entire fellow man's best interest in mind. Uh, I don't think so. Um, Expose one's lesson. It's, it's it's challenging time. Some people have been locked up a little bit longer than others, and it looks like we're going to be uh, you know locked down a little bit more, um, you know, going forward, at least a few more weeks. So. You know, do your best. Pick up the phone. Call your loved ones. Do the FaceTime. Do the Zoom call. Um, keep your head up. We're going to come out of this better and bigger and better. I promise. We're going to we're gonna be better people when this is over. Um, and then some people uh, will show their true colors through this and they'll lose all their friends and nobody will talk to them anymore. That's just, <laughs> that's just the truth. So because there's again, there's a lot of ugly out there and people just want to go on the attack. Don't attack each other. Just listen. Just listen, man. We're all on the same freaking team. And I said what I said. What we're doing right now, while it's great, we're doing what you asked us to do. We're flattening this curve, even though the numbers underneath the curve are still the same. We're flattening this curve. We're doing what we're supposed to do. It's been 40 days for some people. That's a long freaking time. They're getting a little nervous about their financial futures and possibly and or their mental health now. Okay, it's just as legit as somebody having diabetes or COPD being concerned about catching COVID-19. Everybody's concerns are valid and that's what people in the human species need to understand. Put down your defenses. It's okay. We need to, we need to collaborate, not, not tear each other apart. Guys, you know I love you. Um, I would talk all day, but I got to go play school teacher now. Everybody be good. Remember, you can find the show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play Music. Uh, stay safe out there. Um, and remember, we're going to come out of this better. Until the next time, guys, we love you. We'll see you later.